If I told you half the things I've heard about this Jabba the Hutt, you'd probably shot her. Hello, and you are very welcome to episode four of Blob of the Hut 2.0. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome and will gladly pay you the reward of 25,000. So the only thing that you can tell me is that I will find Jabba at Jabba's palace. And as you know, I'm your host, Kate, all the way from Arizona. And joined by our other host, Gary O'Toole in Ireland. Good evening, Kate. So, what's up? How's it going? Yeah, things things are good. It's getting busy. We have Dublin Comic Con this weekend, so it's a little bit hectic trying to get everything ready to to go for that. But otherwise, it's uh, it's been good. The weather's been quite nice. We still have a little bit of a heat wave and really clammy weather which has been a, a welcome change from the usual you know rain and sleet and all that lovely stuff that goes with it <laughs> yeah it's been you know hot as usual here so but usually this time of year we get more monsoon storms so we haven't been getting that quite as much but hey it's all good i guess <laughs> so shall we get into things yeah absolutely how has your week been in Star Wars? Week in Star Wars has been good. It's been quite a a busy sort of, I suppose, two-week period for us, hasn't it, with respect to the mm-hmm. Throne Threes and giveaway, which we set up, which got some absolutely fantastic responses. We, uh, we did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about that more later, or should we do it now? We can do it later if you want, I don't mind. But yeah, we did get some really good responses for that. So that was a lot of fun. We'll have to do more stuff like that. All right. So anything else in your neck of the woods? My neck of the woods regards um, Star Wars. There hasn't been too much going on aside from I've read Thrawn threes and three times already. (laughs) That's three more times than I have. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, things have been a little bit busy. I know we were supposed to do Master and Apprentice sort of the last episode but you know whatever happened we uh we didn't quite get around to it but we're we're here now and it's going to be an interesting discussion definitely so yeah that's what we're going to be talking more in detail in this episode by the way i think i forgot to mention that earlier um but it actually is a good continuation from our previous episode about the prequels so that'll be good yeah, I mean, we've we've long said that there are so many potential avenues and plot lines and stories that can be expanded upon within that time frame. So it's um, it was nice to have, and it's going to be nice to, to further talk about as well. Definitely. So my week in Star Wars actually kind of has to do with that in a roundabout way, because the main Star Wars thing that I've done uh, in the last couple of weeks was I re-listened to. The Lost Stars audiobook, which is by the same author. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That book is so good. So instead of, like, you know, listening to one of the newer books, um, since I was moving, there was a lot of drive time, you know. So I decided I wanted to go back to one of my favorites and listen to that one again. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, It it doesn't get better than Master and Apprentice. I mean, it's, it's sensational. It's so good. And I actually had kind of forgot about the ending, so that was interesting. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, 
The Force Awakens entry in some respects. Yep. Definitely. Mm. Very cool. But yeah, Claudia Gray is amazing. So. And you've, of which you also interviewed her, Kate? Yes, I did. <laughs> She's super cool. I hope I get a chance to again someday. Oh, yeah. Claudia, if you're listening, we want to talk again. <laughs> Oh yeah, that would be that would be I think one of the dream guests, wouldn't it be, Kate? Oh sure. Hopefully she'll come back to Phoenix Comic Con one of these days. They we missed the fingers crossed. You know, that the last couple of years they had been doing a really good um, Star Wars authors panel, and this year they didn't do it for some reason. They didn't have Delray. So I don't know. Anyway, maybe maybe in the future. Here's open. So should we talk? This is a very literary, very literary themed episode, isn't it? Absolutely. So should we talk? Should we talk some more about the Thrawn responses that we got? Oh yes, absolutely. So first of all, we have to give an enormous shout out to our good friends at Penguin Random House UK for everything that they do for us. I mean, we always get our advanced review copies and. They're always on the ball letting us know what's going on with respect to, you know, the release dates here in the UK and the differentiation with the release dates in the US. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we've dealt... Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, and we've dealt with so many of the staff, so particularly to the likes of Isabel and Demzella and Ellie, who we're currently linked in with, and they, they are absolutely fantastic. Awesome. But yeah, so we ran a uh, giveaway where, again, the, the wonderful folks there were kind enough to give us a copy of Tron Treason and, of course, that exclusive Chimera pin, which, if you haven't seen, is gorgeous. It's it's super nice. And we decided to do things a little bit differently, Kate, didn't we, as opposed to the, the normal sort of mm -hmm. competitions. And we posted our links online. And the question that we simply asked was... Uh, where has Eli Vanto been and what has he been up to? But the catch was it was wrong answers only. <laughs> yeah. And some of the responses we got were amazingly creative. Mm-hmm. And it was quite hard for us to pick a winner, wasn't it? Was. It was. There was a lot of good ones. So should we just read a few of our our fun the ones we thought were the best or funniest or whatever? Yeah, I've got some here in front of me. Just let me uh, bring them back up. I thought a brilliant one was chilling on a Carillion cruiser, binging episodes of the Golden Girls, and that was from Courtney <laughs> Martin, who is the smarts uh, ilky on Twitter. I thought that was great. Good one, Courtney. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, I liked uh, Danny Brown. Was that on Facebook? I think it was. Attending a Minoc roast on Ardenia. Apparently, they're nuts. Nice that was solo. Glorious. Nice solo shout out there. <laughs> and a shout out to Danny, who is a member of our, our Emerald Garrison. Shout out to Danny. And then another one that really tickled me was Court Mostly Chaos. And I think that was at, at One Shoal on Twitter. And it was aboard the Enterprise on their five year mission to go boldly far from Thrawn. <laughs> Lots of good like crossover mashup type comments, so that was fun. 
There really was. And there were a couple that threw in the porgs as well, Kate, for you. <laughs> Let's find a porg one. Let's see. Vince Foldy gave us a porg one. Aw, that one's sad. He was perfecting his porg recipe book on Octo. I'm sure Chewy mm. would love that. I know, right? <laughs> then another one that I thought was just brilliant bringing in Galaxy's Edge already. He's been making shipment runs for Hondo from the unknown regions to Batu. Nice. Oh, yes. And then uh, Shane Hardigan. That was a good like call out for Ireland, you know, since this is an Irish-based podcast. He said, oh, in yes. Port McGee, supping pints and waiting for Luke. What a phenomenal answer. Yeah. But unfortunately, Kate, we could only pick one winner. I know. So do you want to say the winning answer? So the winning answer was, and it came on Instagram mm-hmm. from Solnova Sol underscore Ali Zarek. Again, mm-hmm. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And the answer was, he's back at the Royal Academic in Coruscant helping research the migration patterns of Purgles and teaching them how to lasso them. He's actually lasso champion back in Lysatra. <laughs> yeah, we both seem to really like that one. It really it's was good. brilliant. But again, we had so many good answers, Kate, and we have to say thank you to everyone who entered. But also... Yes. Um, the folks at Penguin wanted us to know that everyone's answers were actually shared around the office. Oh, funny. And yes, That's and everyone, awesome. Yeah, everybody really loved that. And it was nice to see that it was, you know, it was very, very creative. And a lot of people put so much effort in, which was, which was nice. So That's cool. That was great to see. And, you know, stuff like that, when we think outside the box a little bit, it's way more fun than, you know, the traditional competition entries. Right. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll do more like that. We'll see. Maybe we can... Are you going to try to see what you can gather at uh, Comic-Con? Maybe we can do another something. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, Yeah, I'm hoping we will be able to. And speaking of Comic-Con, Kate, we've got two really exciting things that are going to be going on for ourselves with respect to content that we're going to have from Dublin Comic-Con. So, um, first and foremost, we're actually going to have a guest who I am super excited to announce. If you haven't heard the, the name, there is a phenomenally talented artist by the name of uh, Solly Mohammed. And anybody who collects the Tops cards or the original Unstoppable cards will know the name. And Solly is a, a UK-based artist, and he has worked uh, with Tops on trading cards from various genres to Star Wars, The Walking Dead, and Stranger Things. Mm. And he attended Comic-Con Ireland this year, and his stuff was amazing. It, it blew people away. He hand-paints everything in acrylic. Nice. And you've seen some of the pictures there, Kate. They are amazing, and he's got a very, very cool style. He does, and there's a there's a lot of variation, and I would encourage anybody listening to check out his website. It's smartworks.co.uk. We are actually going to have one of the best artists in Ireland actually do his first ever Star Wars pieces. That's super awesome. 
It is super awesome. So how did you did you were you the one that made him decide that? I was yes. <laughs> did you use the force? <laughs> I may have done. <laughs> nice. So if you haven't heard the name Kevin Keane before, Kevin Keane is one of the best artists in Ireland, and you can follow him on social media at Kevin Keane twenty four. And Kevin is actually not just a ridiculously talented talented artist, but he's an incredible human being, Kate, and to sort of follow on with the, the Dublin Comic Con um theme, they're actually going to be releasing a book called Cancer, so it's hashtag K A N C I R. So it's a story that deals with personal experience in a world of fantasy. Hmm. And it's done by the guys in Rogue Comics Ireland, who are phenomenal. But the best part about it, Kate, is, is that all the profits from the book are going to the Irish Cancer Society. That's amazing. So shout out to the guys at Rogue Comics Ireland, and in particular, Kevin Keane. But yes, I have set Kevin quite a quite a difficult challenge for two Star Wars pieces. Awesome. And anyone it, who has seen my Doctor Strange uh, pieces before, they were done by Kevin as well. Very cool. So you'll have to post yeah. pictures. Oh, we will be, yes. Awesome. So do we have anything else before we get into our main discussion? Shall we just get straight into it? All right, you want to do the honors this time? Punch it, Chewie. Always two, there are no more, no less, a master and an apprentice. <laughs> That's my Bravo. yellow voice. Yes. So we're talking about the novel Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. And this was just released, um, what, like June, maybe? Yeah, give or take. It was released a while back. We're, we were a little bit behind due to scheduling issues, but we're here now. Yeah. And that's all that matters. So this was a really cool book. So we're going to get into what we thought about it, some of the things we liked, maybe some some of the things we didn't like, um, all that good stuff. So right off the bat, if you don't already know, this book is about some of our favorite Jedi. So it's going to be uh, Master Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, I could throw a spanner in the works there, couldn't I? Yeah. Because there is another master and apprentice point of view within the book. That is true. Yes. So it's kind of like, you know, I think we mentioned it before with the Star Wars titles. They're kind of, they can talk about more than one thing. Absolutely. So do you want to tell us who else it could refer to? So for me, it has a three-pronged approach. It has a, a trifecta of it in that. It obviously looks at the relationship between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. But it also looks at the relationship between Qui-Gon Jinn and Count Dooku. Mm. But also, in a sense, <laughs> it gives us a little teasing of the relationship between Count Dooku and another apprentice who we meet in this novel. Mm-hmm. So Very cool. That's, yeah. Rael, no, yeah, right? Yes, correct. Is that how you say his name? Right. I listened yes. to it, I should know, huh? <laughs> and oh, so he... you, you heard the 
Yes, Rael Avaros. So I believe he shows up in um, that Dooku audiobook too. I haven't actually That's... listened to that yet. I don't. I don't do audiobooks, so I haven't listened to it. Not even if it's like it's an exclusive audiobook, though. No, gonna... I can't do. I just can't do audiobooks. <laughs> but anyway, I believe I heard that he does show up again in that. So that's interesting. So did you realize that Jedi can have more than one apprentice like that? I kind of thought it was like um like a lifelong thing, but I guess not. No, clearly not. I guess not. that makes sense, though, because like, otherwise, like, your apprentice would become a master, you know, like, in their 20s or 30s, you would think. So well, then they would it become would... a Jedi Knight, and then once they become a Jedi Master... Right, so then would you then wouldn't have anyone. Their, their own Padawan. Exactly. So I guess it makes sense to, to keep adding them on until they can't do it anymore. So that was, that was interesting, though, how... Uh, so, like, Rial... Rial... L and yes. Qui-Gon they kind of it was kind of like this camaraderie since they both had the same master so that was kind of cool so overall what rating like out of 10 would you give this book well I I loved Master Apprentice but what took a little bit of the shine off it for me was that having read Tron 3's and 3 times <laughs> I was just infatuated with Thrawn Treason. But overall, from Master and Apprentice for me, it would be a solid 8 to an 8.5. I'll be honest, I would have given it a higher marking, but it just tailed off slightly toward the ending for me. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit anticlimactic, in my opinion. I don't know whether you would agree with that or not. I think there Are was you a... talking about like what happened on that planet with the Princess Fanry and all yes, that stuff? Yes, the, re- the reveal of Princess Fanry, yeah. shall we say. That to me was yeah. just a little bit anti- anticlimactic for such a build-up. Right. Yeah, I think I would pretty much agree with that. I'd probably give it like a solid 8. Yeah, that's what I was around, sort of 8, 8.5, give it, give yeah. or take. I mean, we're we're both Claudia Gray fans. We have to say that we're probably not the most unbiased audience <laughs> with with respect to that. This is true. Yeah. Um. Like I, I was looking at some of the different online reviews, and like one, I don't think we'll mention the name. Um, only gave two stars out of five. So, and then there was some that gave it like, um, a lot higher scores than that so it's got a little bit all over the place which is interesting so yeah so do we want to give people like not everyone is going to have read this obviously so should we give kind of like a little overview of what the main story in this is yeah absolutely so the book is sort of written in two parts it's written in a before where we see uh, very very young Qui-Gon Jinn in his Padawan days being taken under the wing of then Count Dooku as we would know him Count Dooku mm-hmm. and it shows Master his... Dooku Master Dooku and it shows <laughs> I suppose the earliest workings of what would eventually become the I suppose the finished article of Qui-Gon mm-hmm. Jinn and it yeah. shows his early relationship with Dooku in that of 
a master and apprentice in the sense of respect between a student and a teacher mm-hmm. but also the direction and the trials and tribulations that set Qui-Gon on the path that he goes down to becoming the the Jedi we all, we all know and love mm-hmm. and, and a massive yeah. part of that is the the Jedi prophecies which I don't think would be a surprise to to anyone mm-hmm. yeah that was kind of an interesting perspective so so yeah I, I don't think we actually mentioned it either but this is pre it's kind of kind of goes without saying but it's pre phantom menace so that's a time period we haven't really seen a lot from so that was a really cool aspect for me um and then i just i kind of liked the fact that at the beginning uh obi-wan and qui-gon were really not getting along that well yeah and so it... we kind of we see how that changes and I thought Claudia did a really good job with that. Yeah, it it was quite interesting. Sort of from the get-go, she sort of set the tone of Obi-Wan having an incredibly deep respect for Qui-Gon. But we do see pr- pretty much right away that Qui-Gon is... Or that Obi is seriously struggling to understand his master and his ways... It mm-hmm. appears, at least on the face of it, that Qui-Gon ha- very early on has that reputation for, I suppose, disregarding the rules and laws that bind <laughs> the Jedi. Is that probably a, mm-hmm. a fair way to, to say it? Yeah. And that further expands then into Qui-Gon's fascination and earlier studying of the ancient Jedi prophecies. Yep. Very cool. So with uh, with the character Rael, so we kind we see him in the flashbacks, but we also see him in the the more um, main story, I guess you'd say, because um, he's a regent for a tiny little um, fiery princess <laughs> named Fanry. Um, so they're on this planet, and I is it. How long is it? Because it's like her coronation or something. It was a while since I've read this. So yeah, so <laughs> it's it's the build up to her, I suppose her ceremony of being sworn in as the queen. And even though she will be a queen and part of the monarchy, she will not have absolute power slash absolute control of everything mm-hmm. that's that's going on. And so. Then you get to see the Jedi interacting with Rael, so that's kind of interesting. And then, then also in this story, it it gets a little. I, I think that's kind of part of the reason I gave it a little. Took a few points off. There's so much going on because then there's the jewel thieves that come in. Um, <laughs> oh yes, Pex. And then there's also th- that group that they're like um, the Blackguards. Um, are they the the terrorists? Yes, and then there's the yeah. blackguards and the opposition. Yeah, so there's a there's quite a bit going on. Plus, there's all the flashbacks. Yeah, so, so maybe maybe it'd help if we sort of broke down the the main story a little bit right. into into points. 
So, as we said, the predominant theme of this is the relationship between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's learning as a Padawan and trying to please Qui-Gon as a master and also um, learn from him. Right. And the situation develops that there is political uproar on the planet. Uh, I've seen it pronounced Pijal or Pijal, whichever way you prefer. I think in the audiobook it was Pijal. Pijal, yeah. And what essentially drew them to this was there is political uproar there, but also there is the, I suppose, the fallbacks from what potentially could happen with this dispute in that there is to be this opening of a hyperspace lane mm-hmm. once there once the the princess fanry is sworn in as the queen mm-hmm. and with these politicals going on a uh, political uh uproar happening on this planet uh real avaros was that how it was was pronounced in the audiobook I think so. Rael Avaros, as we said, was a former student of Dooku and he requests the assistance of the Jedi Council, in particular Qui-Gon Jinn, to come to Pajal and help out with fighting against this opposition who were a group of theatrical performers who now appear to have turned into this, I suppose, terrorist organisation is probably the the best Mm -hmm. way to describe it. Yeah. But this is dancing around two major um, plot points, which I think, Kate, you'd have to... Well, you you might not agree, but I think we ha- we would have to say that they were quite poignant in that. Qui-Gon Jinn always having this, I suppose, reputation for the breaking of the Jedi Code, for which mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would say that Qui-Gon was... I suppose would he be the the sort of closest thing to a grey Jedi if that was ever mentioned? He would predominantly think, be the first name that pops into people's heads. I think we talked about that with the prequels yeah. a little bit. Well, he certainly but, would be to me. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think officially or anything, but definitely that's what a lot of people would probably think of. Yeah. So the last thing that you would expect to read, and it did actually... Uh, shock me Kate when I read it was that Qui-Gon was actually offered a position on the Jedi Council yeah that was a, that was interesting yeah that was a <laughs> that really made my um my jaw drop in that sense so that was a big issue that was going to be uh I suppose a uh, something between Qui-Gon and Obi that was going to test their bond Right. But and like also, it would have been a good opportunity if they really did clash that much. Just to yeah. kind of, you know, be a good excuse to be like, okay, see you later. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But then, as if that wasn't enough, and as you've said, this was very character heavy. With respect to uh, Rael, he has mm-hmm. his own he has his own demons and his own issues. Yeah. Uh, outside of the political dispute in that he had his own Padawan, uh, Nim. Mm-hmm. And Nim was killed in combat and he was essentially blamed 
by everybody for this. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is that... why then that he was sent on this mission to Pyjal to act as the, the regent to the royal court. Danry. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. So those were two major plot points that were constantly pirouetting around each other. Mm-hmm. And I think and that's then there's vi- the jewel thieves. And then there's the jewel thieves. We haven't <laughs> even gotten on to what know. an interesting character Pex was. Yeah. Such an interesting <laughs> character. So should we maybe um give people a little bit of a breakdown of those two? Yeah. So he's the one that I liked since he was raised by uh, protocol droids, right? Yes, absolutely. He was <laughs> raised by um, PO droids. That's so funny. So that that was kind of an interesting character, because um, like to have that perspective, they basically they like that was like the only human around, right? And they kind of babied him, and like uh, he would they were like his servants basically, and every every whim. They would cater to his whim, and so that was pretty funny, I thought. <laughs> and it was also very well written that he assumed some of their their temperament and their characteristics. Mm-hmm. Which I, would, I thought... I wouldn't mind seeing more of this character. <laughs> no, I definitely wouldn't at all. I would, I would really like to see that as well. I think it would be a very interesting um, dynamic. Yeah. Very cool. So there was him. Uh, what was the girl's name? Rahara. Yes. So she was interesting too. She was a former slave. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, that's like a whole another can of worms there. <laughs> well, she managed to Rahara managed to escape her captors. Mm-hmm. Which I think was, you know, quite an interesting topic from the get go. This was somebody who was a survivor. She's very resourceful. Very, very resourceful. And when we speak of them being jewel thieves, they are searching for precious gems to sell on the market to the, I suppose, the the highest bidder. So then it kind of gets into like kyber crystals a little bit too. And then that kind of works into like the whole, because Qui-Gon keeps having, you know, like these visions, something about a kyber crystal that's not really a kyber crystal. And then it's just, it it's kind of cool how it does kind of all mesh towards the end, but we won't spoil too much. No, but it was but fascinating yeah. to see that those sort of the Jedi prophecies came further to light. Yeah. And I think at the heart of this story, now I you may disagree with me, but I thought the the story, you know, of a young girl having to rise to power, become queen and be responsible for you know her people. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very much a sort of um, 
an inverse shadow upon the story of Padme with the Phantom Menace. Yeah, definitely. Very different types of rulers, we'll say that. <laughs> yeah, very, very different types of um, <laughs> rulers. But again, it it, it shows the, the diverse writing style of Claudia that she just writes characters very well. I mean, the fact that Pax, who is completely 100% human, is raised by these, you know, protocol droids and ends up mm-hmm. taking on some of their, not just their mannerisms and their characteristics, but also, I would say, their their rational process. Definitely. Of which it is hilarious. Yes. Very amusing. <laughs> that, that was the one thing that surprised me was the amount of humour in, you know, Qui-Gon's dryness. Yeah. And being funny without being funny. Definitely. Which I think was... was sensational, you know, and every character gets a spot in the limelight. Mm-hmm. Which I quite enjoyed. It is a... It's not the fastest paced book, I would say. Right. But there are plenty of uh, plot twists. Oh, yeah. With respect uh, to this. Very much so. Very much so. And there were lots of little Easter eggs as well, which was quite nice. Yeah, that's. I hope we get more from this era. Yeah. It was a fun... But I really, do, I really do like how everything linked in because we got the mention of the, the Chosen One prophecy. If you didn't think mm-hmm. that wasn't going to be there, surprise, surprise it is. But also, it was nice to see a, a link to Rogue One. What? Which one are you talking about? When we had the mention of the Guardians of the Wills. Oh, okay. That's true. Which I thought was great. That, yeah, that's super cool. I get the feeling, like, the Wills, that goes way back with Star Wars lore. I think we're going to be hearing more about the Wills. the uh, Maybe with either, you know, Episode Nine or the future Star Wars that's coming out. I don't know. You heard it here first, folks. But also, <laughs> Kate, there was a huge link to what I believe in Episode Nine. Really? What? Can you remember the line quite close to the end of the book, one of the prophecies? Um, no, I don't remember anything. <laughs> the quote was... It's been too long. He who learns to conquer death will, through his greatest student, live again. Okay. So you think that's talking about Palpatine? It could potentially be. Huh. I know when that I re- could go a couple of different ways. Yeah, when I read that line. So who's... Who is his greatest student then? Anakin? Well, do you separate Anakin from Vader? Well, same, both, whatever. Well, yeah. But, but that's you know, who, you, who you're thinking? Yeah, well, but who else? Who else could it be? Or is is a Kylo? Is Kylo doing exactly what the Emperor slash Snoke wanted? If you believe all of these, you know, rumors. I mean, Snoke at this stage has been everyone from Palpatine to 
George Lucas, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or is it talking about Obi-Wan and Anakin? It could potentially be. I wouldn't be leaning towards that, but again... It, or is it talking it, it, about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan? It could be that as well, but I mean, just I, I think that's a little bit too coincidental for the rise of Skywalker and the, the ending of the trailer. I think that's just a little bit or, too... Or <laughs> is it talking about Luke and Rey? No, definitely not. <laughs> Under no circumstances could it be talking about that. Why not? His greatest ever student, really? You don't think Ray is his greatest student? No. Kylo is? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Hmm. Well, I guess it depends on what your definition of greatest student is. It all depends on your point of view. You see what we did there? <laughs> yep. Because, like, would a great student try to kill you? <laughs> if they wanted to be well, better than the master. Technically, technically, I guess they both, Ray and Kylo, tried to kill Luke. <laughs> well, in some way, I suppose. But to mm -hmm. divert back to what we were um, saying, there was a lot of sort of undertones in this, which I, 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 I quite enjoyed. And it was... The point of view of, I think, showing the flaws in the Jedi Council. Mm -hmm. Which again reverts back to the line that Kylo recites, let the past die. Whether we like to admit it or not, the Jedi Order were completely flawed. Yeah. They had become essentially a police force. Mm -hmm. And I love that it was so out in the open that Yoda actually didn't want Qui-Gon. On the Jedi Council. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was interesting. Yoda. You know, I think that was um that that was quite poignant. Mm-hmm. But also then to sort of put another spanner in the works, the fact that we actually saw the student actually become so sure of himself that he had to go above his master's head. Yeah. And go straight to the Jedi Council. Yeah. Which I, I, like I didn't see, I didn't see coming at all. Yeah. That's Obi Obi-Wan has always been very by the book. Yeah, very much to the rules believes that, you yeah. know, the Jedi code is what they they live by. I think that's kind of uh interesting, especially like after just reading um Lost Stars with um you know, it depends on which side you're on like, in, like, what you're going to believe and things like that. Because, um, like, Sienna, she wasn't, like, you wouldn't necessarily think of her as, like, a dark side person. But obviously she was with the Empire. Um, and so, like, it's it's interesting to think what would have happened if Phoebe won, you know, maybe... Went down the dark side, and believed in some of some of those different teachings. Absolutely, and Qu and Qui Gon very much would would be seen to be walking the line with respect to the Jedi mm -hmm. prophecies. In that, you know, their potential 
to you know take people in and per- perhaps lead people down a, a dark path a la Dooku mm. I, I think yeah. overall if I was to sum it up one way it was that we got to see a lot of Qui-Gon but in terms of his character and his as this symbol of, of mysticism even though we got quite a look into the inner workings of his head I don't think we learned very much yeah maybe we need another Qui-Gon just Qui-Gon book <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know kind of following on from that then it was a case of would you say the the book was full of uh, I suppose would it be current mature subjects like what do you mean you know, when we're talking about, you know, slavery and going against the Jedi Code with respect to mm-hmm. love and lust. Yeah, a little bit. You think we'll get more of that, like, um, where we're at now in the timeline with Star Wars? I think it would I'm be. I'm talking I about Raylo. <laughs> no, God, no, no. It's ridiculous. Uh, no, I yeah. I mean gen I mean genuine mature you know subjects. <laughs> um, I th- yeah I think we'll get more of that. That seems to be you know life imitates art, art imitates life, and the circle goes on. It does, but I think this book, in terms of the avenues that it went down, it leaves a lot of lanes open to to go down yeah i mean i personally myself was hoping to learn more about dooku in this book i didn't learn a damn thing <laughs> well you need to listen to that new audiobook i ain't listening to no audiobook <laughs> well i think you you would learn more about dooku yeah but you know <laughs> but i think Overall, that seems to be sort of the, the, the positives that we've talked about. You know, the the characters, the development, the plot lines. But then, if we move on to the latter stages of the book, for me, that was where it started to go down. Yeah. Speaking personally, I think for such a build-up of mystery... Mm-hmm. The end product wasn't anywhere near as much of a, a crescendo or a shocking moment as I thought it would have been. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you sort of um, feel about that. It kind of, it feels like like there wasn't enough resolution or something yeah, with all the stuff that was going on. Yeah, it really did tail off. But again, I think with the build-up, there wasn't... Like I, I think the the ending could have come maybe three or four chapters earlier, or at least the build up to the end, mm-hmm. to really, I, really yeah, set the you. tone. Yeah. I mean, the fact of what really ticked me off was the scene with Obi stuck in the fighter craft. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought, I thought that just made no sense. <laughs> What about the Varactyl? 
I thought that was great. I thought that really showed a different side to Obi. That was like a good uh, episode three call out. It was, but it also it it was a nice character trait to see. Yeah. That was good. I liked the Varactyl. And it was a nice flip side to show, you know, the all-powerful Qui-Gon Jinn being shown up by the supposed cocky young by the book Apprentice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, who who was who who was the better rider of the Varactyls? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, it's um. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't think the plot twist was worth the build up or the actual plot lines itself. Yeah. I don't think the the end product was enough or of a high enough quality. Interesting. What about you for your points, your negatives? Yeah, like I I kind of mentioned before, like I just like I don't know. Because, like, all the, the characters were interesting, but I don't know. It just felt like too much happening sometimes. So I don't know if it just needed, like, less characters or maybe, I don't know, maybe get streamline it a little more. I don't know. I'm not an author. <laughs> Do you think um, the characters were less relatable than previous? Hmm, that's a good question. Then, like, say for Lost Stars. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's because I just listened to that one. Um, but that, yeah. those but characters be, are so relatable. Yeah, but to be fair, we pretty much were spoiled with Lost Stars. Yeah, it's because yeah, both both the main characters and that are super super relatable. Just for for a great number of people, I would say. And yeah, I think. In this book, the it is less relatable, I would say. Like, I think part of it might be the whole, you know, like with Lost Stars, neither of them had Force abilities or anything like that. They just were normal people, so that made them super relatable. I think that was another great plot line, actually, to bring it back to a positive, that non-Jedi mm-hmm. characters being a standout. Yeah. I think that was great, you know, when you have these main characters who are so loved and adored within our fandom but yet new characters come out and steal the limelight in some way Mm -hmm. I think that's brilliant so of like all the new characters in this book um, well I guess not counting Rael since we already know he's in something else so do you think any we'll see any of the other ones pop up in future books or media? I don't think so. But if I had to perhaps pick one character that I would be um, quite interested in seeing again, it would be um, the person, you know, the officer, you know, who was closest to... It was a Captain Darien. Oh... That that was somebody who was just doing his duty and following orders. You know, hmm. that had sworn an oath to Fanry no matter what and carried out his duty. Hmm. It was Captain Darien, wasn't it? I don't remember the names. 
I'm such a terrible Star Wars fan. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's who I would like to see because I think that was somebody, that was an admirable trait and somebody who just swore an oath and was sticking to it, you know, come hell or high water. Hmm. Gotcha. But yeah, overall, uh, a very, very good book, but I don't think... I don't think it has a patch on Lost Stars in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, agreed. I have to say, though, the relationship between Rael and Fanry did kind of creep me out a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I don't know why. It was just, there was just something. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's... Yeah, but again, the stars of the show, and rightly so, were Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. And from that respect, Claudia did a, did an incredible job on that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we got a preview How... We got a preview of that, and from a certain point of view, we knew that she was going to write mm-hmm. for Qui-Gon really, really well. True. I just had this thought, but what if they did, like, um... An animated show with just Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. I think it would be great, but I think it would have to be Neeson and um, Ewan as the voices. I think that's the only way that would work. Well, that would be... I'd be down with that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think think that's the only way that would work. But so overall, I think we can say, was this a book that sort of divided opinion more so? I mean, it seemed that way from the reviews that I looked at. Mm-hmm. Like, some people loved it, some people hated it. But any these days, that's it's that way with pretty much any Star Wars book, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Except Lost Stars. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anyone who didn't like Lost Stars. Although, after this episode, we'll probably get some emails. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is what it is. Yeah. But look, I think... But doesn't I it think... seem that way? Go on. Doesn't it seem that way though? Like there's just people are just it's everywhere. People, some people love it, some people hate it, but it, maybe some it's always been like that. Well, I mean, everyone has their own ideals, you know. Some of the reviews I've seen for Master and Apprentice, they disliked it because it wasn't what their interpretation of Obi Wan and Qui Gon was. Mm-hmm. Which is a fair point. If if that's not what you thought young Qui-Gon or young Obi would be like, then that's yeah. perfectly okay. But I think when it came down to the sort of the most common trend that I've seen was that people loved the sort of the character development and the relationships, but they weren't for the storytelling. Yeah. And I think I think I I, I would somewhat agree to it to that sense. I think the story could have been a lot better. Yeah. But I mean, being biased and liking Claudia Gray's right, the reason I wanted to read this book was for the relationship between Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan Kenobi, and for me, that was great. Cut the shot, all right, too. Okay, so do we have any shout outs for this episode? Actually, we do. So, first and foremost, we have to say an enormous thank you to everyone who got involved in our little uh, social media campaign online. We had shared the work of a very, very talented young man here in Ireland by the name of Kyle Marr. 
Kyle is 21 years of age and is autistic and he produces these incredible pieces of artwork and we were lucky enough to be in contact with his father Carl and he had sent us some of Kyle's work and we posted it all across social media and the response was outstanding. It was shared by some of the Disney and Marvel artists themselves and there were a lot of messages and comments left for Kyle as well. So we have to give an enormous shout out to everybody who liked, shared and left a, a comment on the post, but also to Kyle himself, you know, for being an incredibly talented young artist. Yeah, very, very cool artwork there. And some of to have some to have his art shared by some of the guys who shared it. Yeah, that's so cool. Very, very and do, you, can, do you want to share his uh, Instagram so people can follow along with all of his new artwork? Absolutely. So you can follow him at uh, Kyle Maher. So it is K-E-I-L-M-A-H-E-R. Awesome. So yeah, be sure to give him a follow and keep up with all of his awesome artwork. Is he going to be at um, Dublin Comic Con? He is. I believe he's attending just as a with his family but it's going to be his fourth year running attending Dublin Comic Con so a nice hardcore convention goer which is which is great that's so cool absolutely Love that. so um do we have any final thoughts for this episode or anything else oh we, we actually have or... a we actually have a, a final shout out Kate I forgot to say oh we have another shout out oh okay, we do what's yes. the other shout out so, for those of you who are not just Star Wars fans, but perhaps you might be big Disney fans, a good friend of mine, Kate Privis, has actually begun doing her own podcast. Oh, nice. And it's called Mickey Waffles, an Irish Disney <laughs> podcast. Very cool. So, be sure to check it out if you are an enormous Disney fan and... Who knows? There might be some collaboration down the down the line. So be sure to check it out. They are on Mickey Waffles and Irish Disney Podcast is available on Spotify at present. I think that that's pretty good for shout outs this episode. Yeah, definitely. Very good. All right. So, how can people find out more about Blob of the Hut? So people can follow us across the various social media, as you mentioned, the big tree. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us at Blab of the Hut. So, Kate, do you maybe want to talk about the very, very special feature that's included on Anchor that we're hoping people will utilize more? Oh, are you talking about the uh, message? Yeah. Or the voicemail message thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you guys want to actually send a voicemail, you can do it through the Anchor app, I believe it is. I think you can do it online, too. So if you want to, like, say hi, what's going on, what you, what your week in Star Wars has been like, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any questions about that or anything, let us know. Um, you can follow us on our personal, um, insta or our personal social media. So I am at K A M I D U U. And what's yours, Gary? So you can find me across all social media at PlowCool. It's P L O underscore K O O L. Very cool. 
All right, so I think that's going to do it for this episode. I think in our next episode we record, it'll probably be a lot of Dublin Comic Con content, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, we will have right? some. We will have an interview with Sully Muhammad, as we said, and we'll get some of his artwork posted up online to maybe get some questions in for him. But also, I'm hoping Kate might get Thrawn treason finished. <laughs> I need to start it. <laughs> but also we need to so, talk Alphabet Squadron too, so I haven't even read that one either. Instead of like starting that, I would listen to Lost Stars again, so but I'll I'll try to get busy listening. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we can get a, a, a real literature heavy episode going on. For... I know, we're gonna have to turn this into a literature podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> Anywho, I think that's going to do it for this episode, then. Be mindful of the future, but not at the expense of the moment. <laughs>